what the Lord has given me to preach. I don't always know, or something, let me say it like this. Some, sometimes I know maybe a, a few, more than a few, in whom the message would be helpful for uh, today, and we're just, some of the stuff that God was dealing with me and talking with me about, I'm just going to trust that uh, this is his church, and you are his people, and he's going to speak to his people, and you're going to know that it was his voice to you when you need to know it. So... I want to I want to speak today on this subject. What's wrong with Sarah? Why don't you find about two or three people and just ask them the question? What's What's wrong with Sarah? <laughs> I apologize if there's any Sarahs in the house. Now, I hope uh, my, my title probably won't make a whole lot of sense until the second half of the message, but I do believe God's going to help us. God's going to help us. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I, I want to speak fast. i got a few things I need to say. <clears throat> it is on all points an amazing and true and revelatory, enlightening story to say the least. In the book of Genesis, we are introduced to a husband whose name is currently Abram, but God is about to change it to Abraham, and we're introduced also to his wife whose name is currently Sarai, but will soon be changed by God as well to Sarah, Abraham and Sarah. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1, if you have your Bibles and you would like to join with us, in the reading of our text, follow along on the screen if you do not have your Bible. Genesis 12 and 1, the word of the Lord says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, and to a land that I will show you. Verse 2, And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. So here we see God speaking vision and promise into Abraham's life. But I noticed right away, Brother Tapp, I noticed right away that he does it totally opposite of how I would have done it. (laughs) He does a lot of things different than I would have done. You see, Brother Ron, I, if it were me, I would have started off the conversation with the good stuff first. I would have begun the conversation talking about the blessings that were to come. I would have talk, started off the conversation talking about how his name would be great. And once I had sufficiently convinced them and excited them on this future prospect of their great blessing that would be, then I would have told them 
about the sacrifices necessary to achieve it. But that's not at all what the Lord does. For before he ever speaks one word of the blessing that would come, he starts a conversation. Think about it now. Now we know the whole story, so we just kind of move over it. But he starts a conversation with Abraham by telling him, I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave your father's house. I want you to leave your family. That's how he starts. Doesn't tell him why. Now we know why afterwards, but leave your family. Leave your country. Right out the gate. Leave your home. Leave your family. Leave your country. Leave your kindred. And I'm going to lead you into a land. I'm not even going to tell you exactly where it is right now. And I believe the Lord spoke to Abraham that way because he wanted Abraham to know from the very start that it would be Abraham's obedience that would open the door to his blessing. Oh, hallelujah. Abraham, I'm going to start off my conversation with you with four requests. Abraham, I'm going to start off my conversation with four commands with four requirements before I ever tell you one thing about the blessing that I have in store for you. You see, in order for God's purpose to be fulfilled in you and I, in us and through us, it is going to require our understanding of the fact that all blessing from God flows from our obedience to God. If you don't get anything else, get that. All blessings from God flows from our obedience to God. Now, there are too many people wanting the blessings of God without being willing to become obedient to God. Now, I might get a little quiet right here, but I'm going to help you anyway. Too many people believe that because God is God, that he then owes them a blessing irrespective of their rebellious nature towards him. They don't live for him. They don't serve him. They give him, you know, barely the time of day. They don't, they don't, they, they go weeks without even thinking about him. But when they get in trouble, they feel like God owes them something just because he's God and he should do it. Uh, hear me. We cannot be unfaithful to the things of God and still expect to get blessed. I know, I know this isn't easy preaching, but it's biblical preaching. We cannot live however we want, do whatever we want, act however we want, and then expect God to just meet our every need and provide for our every wish and our every desire when we want him to show up. You don't believe me, the word of the Lord says it like this. In fact, Jesus himself says it. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and what? Doeth them. You don't just hear them. You do them. I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and they beat upon the house and it fell 
not. For it was founded upon a rock. But everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and it beat upon the house and that house fell and great was the fall of it. I want you to notice today that the blessings of a secure house and a blessed foundation and a peace within the storm will come to those who are willing to be obedient to the word of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. And conversely, the negative reality of a wrecked house, a shattered life, and a splintered dream will come to those who are unwilling to be obedient to the word of the Lord. The promise of a blessed and protected life are very plain in the word of the Lord. But the Lord first looks to see will we be obedient to him. For all obedience opens the door to blessing. Oh, hallelujah. We're not running the aisles, but I'm hoping to help somebody now. The book would say it another place like this in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 22, and I'm hurrying. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. Now, we love that. The Bible says whatever you ask, you'll receive. Ask, ah, you'll receive it. Ah. But there's a comma, and then there's a couple of words after that. Because. Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Notice, our prayers are answered and we receive that which is good and that which is blessed in our lives because, not because God is all powerful and he can do it, but we receive them because we were obedient to what he said and we did that which was pleasing in his sight. Somebody needs to be reminded of the fact that all blessings are conditional. And they are conditional upon our obedience and our submission to the word of the Lord. So please don't be confused today. We do not preach obedience to this book because we want to try to control your life. We don't preach obedience to this book because we want to subject you to some kind of tyrannical domination and because we're some kind of cult and we're trying to brainwash you into living a certain way. We don't preach submission to God's word because we're on some kind of a power trip and it makes us feel good to tell you how to live according to the word. No, we preach obedience to the book so that your life can be blessed, so that your family can be blessed, so that your future... The enemy's going to tell you, uh, he's just up there preaching it like this. Uh, He's just telling you what to do. Who is he? He's just a man like you. Why do you need to listen to somebody else telling you how to live? You can live however you want to live. You want to know why the enemy's planting those thoughts in your head? Because he doesn't want you to be blessed. He wants to steal and kill and destroy. He doesn't want the blessing. 
He doesn't want the blessings of Almighty God flowing into your heart. You can do whatever you want to, obey or disobey. But I've come to tell somebody, those that are obedient to the word of the Lord, it opens the door and the blessings of Almighty God will come in. Does anybody in the house that agrees with your pastor, put your hands together and give God praise in the house right now. Hallelujah. And I've been around these people. Man, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Nobody's going to tell me how to live. All right, go ahead and do what you want to do. And they're the most miserable people on the face of the earth. Constant trials, constant heartache, wrecked homes, all kinds of junk going on in their life. But okay, you get to do it your way. How's that working out for you? Come on, somebody. How's it working out for you? It's not working out too good. Okay, well, why don't you just be obedient to what God's telling you to do? Why don't you do it his way? Yeah, you can't. You might not be able to do some stuff your flesh wants to do, but guess what? He's going to bless you, and he's going to bless your home, and he's going to bless your family, and he's going to bless your finances. And what you're going to receive is going to be far greater than anything you're going to have to give up in order to be obedient to the word of the Lord. Be obedient and watch the blessings of God come into your life. <laughs> Quickly, let me hit this one more time and then we'll move on. But John chapter 14 and verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them. He it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved to my Father, and I will love him. Ready? And I will manifest myself to him. We preach obedience to the word of the Lord because it releases the presence of Almighty God to be made manifest in your life. To be made manifest in your marriage to be made manifest in your finances, to be made manifest in your health, to be made manifest in your ministry and your calling and your present and your future. I don't know about anybody else, but I don't want to do life without his presence. I've tried it. It don't work out too good. I think there's some other people that have tried it and have realized it ah, doesn't work out too good. I need the manifest presence of Almighty God in my heart and in my home. I need his presence leading me. I need his presence guiding me. I need his presence. So the way to do it is to keep his commandments. Somebody said amen. You may be seated, but there's something else now. Something else about this text that I feel strongly to tell somebody today. I want you to look at it again. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1, and we're getting to Sarah in a minute. Genesis 12 and 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I'll show you. And I, in that place, in that land, in that place I'm calling you to, he said, I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee. And I will make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. Now, I don't have time to dwell on this, but I, somebody needs to hear the word of the Lord. I want you to see 
that there is a specific place where God wanted them to be, right? And in that place, the last part of that verse tells us, it says, in that place, you will be a blessing. When you get to the place and you dwell in the place I've called you to, you're going to be a blessing. Now, this is speaking of that specific calling that when achieved will allow the Lord to use you to be a blessing to so many other people. How many want to be a blessing to others? How many strive to be in that place, that specific place, wherein as you dwell in that will of God, he then is able to release you to be a blessing to so many other people? And I'm all for that, and I love it, and I want to be that. But I just feel to show somebody the fact that in this, hear me, in the same place where you are obedient to God, using you to bless others, will be the exact same place that he'll be released to bless you. I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. In the process of you operating in the dimension where God called you to be a blessing to others, God said, in that place, I want you to know, I'm going to bless you as well. Woo, hallelujah. Somebody needs to hear this preacher right now. When you are operating in the place of ministry that God has called you to in order to be a blessing of others, God is not going to forget about you and he's not going to forget about what you need. God is not going to forget about what you need. He's not going to forget about what your family needs. He's not going to forget about what your kids need. He's not going to forget about what your home needs. God's word is making you a promise right now, and that promise is this. Your personal blessings will be made manifest when you are operating in the place of being a blessing to others. Somebody said amen. Somebody needs to know that your place of sacrifice will also be your place of reward. Your place of giving will also be your place of receiving. Your place of ministering to others will be the same place where God ministers So, Genesis 12 and 2, turn the page. He says, and I will make of thee, Abraham, Sarah, I will make of thee a great nation. So again, here we have this promise from the Lord. Now stay with me now. We have this promise from the Lord that from Abraham and Sarah would come this great lineage this great family, this great nation of people. And yet the reality was that they have yet 
to have their first child. Remember, by this point, they had been married for quite some time and yet no children. So what do you do? Come on, Jesus, help us now. What do you do when you have a promise from God for something so big? Man, I felt this message all week long. What do you do when you have a promise from God that's so big? And yet it doesn't seem like you have the ability to produce that which is necessary in order to bring it to pass. When the promise was first spoken to them, they were no doubt so very excited from us, the nation of Israel, the people of God is going to come. No doubt they were so very excited. They were shouting, no doubt. They were dancing. They were ecstatic at that which God was going to do in them. But months pass and no child. Years passed and no child. You just have to know that there were probably some questions of those closest to them. Other people who were also aware of the promise, knowing full well Abraham and Sarah had went and told everybody what God had said and these people know what the promise was. But they're also now well aware of Sarah's Sarah's lack of ability to have a child and the question sounded something like, this. What's wrong with Sarah? Surely there must be something wrong with Sarah. God has given them this promise of this great nation coming from their lineage and yet she has not had a child. What's wrong with Sarah? Is there anybody in the house who knows what it's like to have a promise from the Lord of something so big and yet try as you might you just can't seem to produce that which is necessary to see it come to pass it's not that you're not trying it's not that you're not working hard it's not that you're not doing everything that you possibly can it just seems like you do not have the ability to produce what is necessary to accomplish what God has spoken over your life. And when we didn't see it happening after a few weeks or a few months, it really didn't bother us. We just determined to work harder and to have more faith and to continue pushing forward. But now, 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 this unfulfilled promise has been resting over us for quite some time. Now, We're getting discouraged. Now we're questioning if we are really the one that God was looking for in order to use. Now we're wondering, did God really speak that promise over me at all? I remember the day. I remember what I felt. I remember how sure I was 
I remember the conviction. I remember the passion. I remember his presence being so real. I remember hearing the voice and the promise of God so strong upon my heart. But now time is gone and things have faded and I can't produce that which is necessary to accomplish it. And now I'm beginning to doubt that he even promised it at all. Now we're wondering, we're wondering, we're wondering, did the Lord make a mistake? Did the Lord make a mistake by choosing me? Maybe he should have chose somebody else. And the questions swirl around and around and around in our minds. What's wrong with me? What am I not doing right? What am I missing? What don't I have that other people have? I don't know who I'm preaching to. Why am I unable to produce that which comes seemingly so naturally to other people? Sarah, if you would only have a child, it would jumpstart God's purpose. It would allow God's plan to be put into motion. But Sarah can't have a child. Not because she doesn't want one. She desperately wants one. She desperately desires to see God's promise fulfilled in her life. She desperately wants to witness the beginning of this great nation that was supposed to flow from her offspring. But nothing is happening. Nothing is moving forward. Nothing is working out like she thought it would. Nothing is transpiring like she had it worked out in her mind. And all eyes, all eyes are upon her inabilities and the questioning glances are becoming more uncomfortable and more noticeable and she knows what everybody's thinking what's wrong with Sarah and now years have gone by stay with me and it doesn't seem like they are any closer to the promise than when they first began so Sarah does something that a lot of us do She got so desperate for a fulfilled promise that she took matters into her own hands. Come on, anybody ever done that? So it's not that she had, hear me very carefully in the Holy Ghost, it's not that she had given up on the dream. She had just given up on the part of the dream that included her. She still believed this great nation of God's people would be a reality. She just didn't think she was the one who could bring it to pass. She had begun to believe about herself the questions that other people were speaking for surely there must be something wrong with Sarah. The Bible says this, Genesis chapter 16 and verse 1. Now Sarai's, her name's still Sarai at this point, Abram's wife, bear him no children. But she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee. Here's what I want you to do, Abraham. I want you to go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abraham hearkened 
to the voice of Sarai. Now, thank you for paying attention today to the word of the Lord. Give me your minds here now for a moment. I know it's very possible that the simple and the sole reason that she had her husband go into Hagar and allow Hagar to become a wife of Abraham and was so that she could obtain a child from the union of Abraham and Hagar. I realize that that's very much the sole purpose of her decision. And yet, as I was studying and praying this week, there was a two-word phrase from this verse that just captured my attention. It caused me to just question for a moment if the obtaining of a child was truly the fullness of her intention. Because the phrase is this, she says, Sarah, Sarah says to Abraham, Behold now, Genesis 16 2, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go unto my maid. It, what? May be. I don't know for sure. I don't know if you're going to be able to have a child, Abraham. But we'll see. Now, some may think that I'm stretching this point a bit too far, but to me, it almost looks like this was, hear me in the Holy Ghost. It almost looks like this was Sarah's way of seeing if the problem for their lack of a child might be Abraham's fault and not her fault. Abraham? You go ahead and take Hagar as a wife and we'll see if maybe you can have a child with her. For Sarah knew that if Hagar couldn't bear a child, then the problem isn't with Sarah and the problem isn't with Hagar. The problem's with Abraham. Sarah was the one Hear me, Sarah was the one who was responsible for giving birth to the promise. And she did not want to be singled out as the sole problem for why the promise wasn't coming to pass. For if you go long enough thinking that you're the reason why the promise isn't a reality, eventually, if you're not careful, you'll begin to point the blame at other people. I might not be preaching to everybody. You'll begin to blame the unfulfilled promise on others. You'll get so weary of feeling like you don't have that which is necessary to accomplish God's purpose, that you will begin to shift the blame on those around you. If they would just help me, we would see it come to pass. If they would just step up, we would see it and witness what God has intended. If they would just change then we would encounter what God has promised to us. If they would work on this and change that and alter this, then we would begin to see what God said we would see. I'm tired. I'm tired of always wondering what's wrong with me. I'm going to in turn 
Instead, I'm going to turn my gaze on the inabilities of others because I'm tired of always thinking about what's wrong with Sarah. I want somebody else to feel responsible for an unfulfilled promise. I want somebody else to take some blame for why we're not seeing what God wanted us to see. I know God spoke the promise to me from me it would be born, but I'm so getting so weary of carrying the unfulfilled dream and I want somebody else to feel responsible for it. I'm exhausted at the constant questions of what's wrong with Sarah. It would be so nice if somebody else could feel the blame. Abraham, Abraham, if you can't have a son with Hagar, then all of the questions of what's wrong with Sarah stop. They all stop. But as with most things that happen when we try to accomplish God's purpose with our own abilities. Sarah's little plan backfires. Stay with me just a few more moments. For the book says this in Genesis chapter 16 and verse 4. So Abraham went in unto Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw, when Sarah saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Now everybody knows it's not Abraham. So the questions become that much more increasing. What's wrong with Sarah? So here they were. I'm hurrying. Stay with me. So here they were. No doubt frustrated with what seemed like their inability to accomplish what God called them to accomplish. Sarah, no doubt feeling the pressure and the weight and the responsibility of the one who was incapable of carrying out what God had called her to accomplish. The entirety of God's plan seemingly stalled out because something she couldn't produce. If something wasn't wrong with Sarah then God's plan would have already been put into motion. If something wasn't wrong with Sarah, then God's purpose in the land would have already begun to be accomplished. I know God promised it, but there's something wrong with Sarah. And because God's divine will, because of that, God's divine will cannot come to pass. At least, that's how it looked to Sarah. It was Genesis 12, and I'm coming to a close. And God's about to show up in a powerful way, I believe. If you'll stay with me now. It was Genesis 12 when God gave them that promise. But now I want to direct your attention. Five entire chapters and many years later to chapter 17. For it is in Genesis chapter 17 we find God once again having a conversation with Abraham. And he says this, Genesis 17 and verse 21, but my covenant will I establish with Isaac. This is the name of the son they don't have. Which Sarah shall. 
shall bear unto thee. Ready? I preached all of this for right here. She shall bear unto thee at this set time. <laughs> and what somebody in the house needs to understand is that phrase, this set time, literally means this, the time that has previously been appointed by God. Oh, Holy Ghost. Which lets me know this. The entire time Sarah thought that she was incapable of fulfilling the plan of God, there was an appointed time that God had already established to accomplish what he had promised through her. She didn't know it, but in the nights where she was crying herself to sleep because she did not feel adequate to fulfill the task that God had called her to fulfill, she didn't know it, but in that very moment, when the tears were streaming down her face, there was a clock ticking in the heavens. And it was counting down to an appointed time that God had established before time even existed. For when Sarah would bring about that which God had promised to her, in those lonely hours, there was a God-appointed time. In those questioning moments, <laughs> there was a God-appointed time. In those times uh, that felt like defeat, uh, there was a God-appointed time to her destiny. Oh, hear me. It wasn't, it wasn't when she wanted it to be. But it was all in God's perfect timing. It was not the time that she would have picked. But it was exactly how God wanted it. So I've got the answer to the question of my title today. The answer to the question of what's wrong with Sarah. And the answer is this. There is nothing wrong with Sarah. Nothing. Not one thing. It don't matter who all questioned her. It don't matter the whisperings. It don't matter what she thought about herself. There is nothing wrong with Sarah. She will have her promised child. God's family will be birthed from her lineage. God's will is absolutely going to be accomplished in her and through her. <laughs> And that's fine for Sarah. But the answer to the question of that you're asking yourself, what's wrong with me? And the answer to that question is this. There is nothing wrong with you. 
There wasn't anything wrong with Sarah, and there's nothing wrong with you. You just need to be reminded of the fact that within God's promises, they are wrapped an appointed day and an appointed hour that they will come to pass. It's just our responsibility to keep trusting him, keep being faithful to that appointed day gets here. There's nothing wrong with you. If God promised it, it's going to come to pass. If God declared it, it's going to happen. If God spoke it, it's going to be accomplished. There's nothing wrong with you. You will see the promise with your own eyes. You will hold the promise with your own hands. There's nothing wrong with you. You are not lacking anything. Stand to your feet right now. There's nothing wrong. I know, I know, I know. You've begun a list somewhere of all the things that must be wrong with you because you're not seeing the vision fulfilled. It must be because of this. It must be because of this. I'm not good enough here. I'm not capable enough here. Those are the things that must be. That's the reason why I'm not seeing it. What's wrong with Sarah? I'm here to tell you, there's nothing. You need to take that list and you need to burn it. Nothing wrong with you. Nothing wrong with you. I'm not saying you're perfect. She wasn't perfect either. But the very thing that God promised to her was going to become a reality. The question is this. Will you still be in the place? Will you still be trusting him? Will you still be faithful? Will you still love him and serve him until the day that the appointed time arrives? Ooh. Lift your hands.